Welcome to On Demand. This is a sermon that will help you understand war. Why do people fight? James chapter four will take us on a journey that will help you understand the motivation behind war. Why people fight is a great study and it will help you learn to live at peace with people. So sit with me today, get your Bible open, get ready. You know, I love On Demand. It puts the word right in your hand when you want it. Stay right there. I'll come back and pray for you at the end of the message. Enjoy. I want you to get your Bible open to James chapter four. I'm going to take you on this great journey and I want to answer a question today. You know, there is a lot. There are a lot of things that, that are tough to deal with. And one of them is the subject of fighting. I don't like never have liked fighting. I was a lover of martial arts as a kid for fun. Uh, didn't like the spa days when we had to fight each other. But I've, I've learned that there's something about seeing the fight the right way and understanding how fighting works. There are ways that you must think in order to survive a fight. But I want to broaden this topic uh, to reach out beyond just one-on-one -on -one fighting because James chapter 4 describes motivations, reasons for why people fight. And I want to just take you there and I want you to listen to what he says and then I want to take you through a, a series of, of answers to why, why we fight and, and what are the motivations. And it's just a powerful, simple summary. James is about works, the book of James. Whenever you read the book, there's a whole long list of things that he mentions. And so be, be careful when you hear this teaching that you don't get lost in the don'ts because there's a lot of don'ts, he says. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Because this is the book that brings balance to what Paul taught. Paul taught we're saved by grace, not through works. James comes along and says, that's true. But remember that you show your faith by your works. It's not just trusting and saying, I believe in God. If your life doesn't align, then what good is your faith? Faith without works, James famously said, is dead. You have to have the two. So let me show you, though, um, one of the things he says we have to work on, and that's our fighting tendency. And he wants us to understand our motivation. And so let me read it for you. James chapter four, verse one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire, that desire, your desire that battles within you? You desire, but do not have. Note that. So you kill, right? You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This is a profoundly simple but yet effective text that explains the reason why we do what we do. What is the driving issue in our motivation? What are the things that make us act the way we act? And it's just plain, flat, simple, and easy, he says. Let me tell you why we fight. And I want you to listen to how James just jumps in and says, let me, let me explain it. And then he shows us the way around it. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? They, they come from your desires, the fact that you have a personal desire. Something in you is not fulfilled, so you fight. It's important to you emotionally. It's something somebody said, something somebody did, some land you think belongs to you, 
some inheritance you think you should have gotten, some respect you think you should have gotten. So you're tempted to fight because you feel emotionally as if something wasn't done. So because of your personal desires and the quarrels and the arguments, he says, you, you fight. That's the, the foundation of it. So you got to almost pause and say, am I angry? Am I mad? If I am, I'm, I'm close to fighting. And so the way to help this be dealt with is to start with the anger and the quarreling. If you start back here, you, you won't get there. But he said, that's why you fight. Then he goes on to say, a lot of fighting is rooted in a word called covetousness. Now, covetousness is strong. Look at verse two. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, strong word, but you cannot get what you want. The word covet means to want it so bad that you'll take it. It's not just that I see what you have. I see it, but I want it so bad that I will take it from you. So notice again, here's why we fight. Because we have personal desires. Number two, because we have become covetous. And it's a really important word to understand. It's one thing to look at somebody else's stuff and admire it. And then third, but to look at it and say, I want to take it. That's a whole nother level. Thirdly, he said, we fight because of our motives. Look at verse three. When you ask. You do not receive because here's why you ask with the wrong motives. He says, when you talk to me about things you want, sometimes you don't get them because your motive is wrong. So a lot of fights are rooted in wrong motives. Now, a lot of times it's not until later on that you see your motive got out of whack. And you see that somehow my motivation as a pastor was more about growth or more about um, filling up the seats or maybe your motivation as a, as a person looking for love was to get personally fulfilled. You don't really care what they think. It's all about you. Your motive is really important to analyze. So let me ask you, what is your motive? What, what, what is, what is your, what's driving you? Now, he gets in James chapter 4 pretty direct in verse 4. And he says, adulterous relationships are at the core of a lot of the issues you face. And these are what he calls signs we're fighting with God. Now, this is important because once he talks about why we fight, then he turns to us fighting God. Now, I love the way he swings that because he gives, he gives us a, an inside look at our own hearts. And he says, there's a couple of things I want you to notice, two things specifically that are signs that you're fighting God. Now, now just, just think with me and look at this text, verse four. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hostility against God? So the word enmity means hostility. It means basically to fight. So he says adultery is a sign, adulterous relationships, where you become a friend of the world, he says, and you become an enemy of God. And here's what he's saying. It's really painful to watch people who fight each other, but it's equally difficult to watch people who fight God. And the proof that they're fighting God is because they've abandoned God for other relationships and they put God behind lover, friend, neighbor, whatever. And so he calls that in the text an adulterous relationship. Verse four, adulterous people. You're adulterous people. Don't you know that the friendship with the world, and, and we're not talking about this being uh, nice to people when he says friendship to the world. He's saying basically what you've done is abandon God for this cosmos, for this world, for this world's behavior. He's talking about the way this world lives. You no longer follow God. You're following the behavior of the people around you who don't know God. And so they've become your true friends. 
Now, when you get in trouble, you pray to God. But in reality, you really kind of started fighting God. So let me ask you, are you fighting God now? Are you and God in kind of a conflict? And he said, what drives that is our pride, our pride, verse six. But he gives us more grace. That, that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows grace and favor to the humble. He says, you know, I really, you fight me, but if you're prideful, I, I fight you. So remember, he starts out saying, let me tell you why you fight in general. Now let me show you that you're fighting me and abandoning me for other people. And let me show you what's driving that, your pride. Your, your, your pride is driving it. Now, if you want to change all this and you want to say, okay, I don't want to fight God. I don't want to fight people. I want to get my fight in the right direction. I want to fight the right things. So you can fight the wrong things. You can fight the right things. And so in chapter uh, four, verse seven, he says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want you to pause right there for a second. If you want to change this, it starts with a submitted attitude. The word submission is a military word, which simply means to be in proper alignment. You realize, Father, I've been putting the world above you, I've been putting everything above you. Now I'm going to change that and submit myself to God. Then he says, I got to resist the devil. I got to say no. No, no to those things that, that, that tempt me. No to those wrong directions, those things that push, push me in the wrong direction. He says, and then the Bible says, if you resist, the devil will flee from you. The temptation will, will leave. You'll, you'll win. Then he says in verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and you, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And this is one of those what I call lists. And in verse 7 through verse 10, it's a, it's a list. And this is common, and especially in James. James says, look, guys, faith with, without works is dead. And if you're not careful, you'll spend all your life fighting each other and you'll end up fighting God. And he said, if you want to change that, here's what you do. Number one, you submit. You submit, verse 7. And it, it, it means, okay, no more fighting God. No, no more. No, I'm not putting people in front of you anymore. I submit. Number two, resist. Say no. No to that. No to this. No, 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 no. Number three, come near to me. I love this verse. Verse eight, come near to God and he will come near to you. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you in the King James. There's something about saying I, I'm going to draw near. Then he says, number four, here's something. Wash. Hope you do that every day, right? Right. Wash. <laughs> he said, Wash. Wash. You ever seen people come home all, all day, all day, right? On the street, running around, sun, sweating, and then they come home and go to bed without washing. You wash in the morning? No. How about tonight before you get into bed under the clean sheets? Well, they're not going to be clean once you sleep on them. But if you're not careful, you don't wash. Just listen, you've got to wash. That's a personal responsibility you take. You jump in the shower. You say, Father, I come to you to be washed, cleansed, forgiven. Then he says this, purify your hearts. I love the way he says this because, he, because the point is, if you don't get your heart right, you know, then all of this is a waste of conversation. Because at the core of my heart, the Bible says where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So he says, purify your heart. Then he says, you got to grieve. I love, I love the fact that he brings it back in verse 9 and says, you got to grieve, you got to mourn. 
and you got to wail. You got to come to a place of deep sorrow and repentance, a place where you acknowledge this has been the wrong path. Then he says this, and I love this. He says, change. Change your laughter to mourning. You got to change. There's something about change. Embracing what is necessary and saying, I'm changing to this, not that. I had that conversation the other day, right? I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about exercising and working out more. And I'm really working at it. Today's a good weight day, by the way. Brother's working on it, people. I'm trying hard, working hard, hard, hard. And it's really important because if I don't go after it for myself, who is? What do you need to change? See, all this is important because the greatest fight you have is changing you, changing yourself. Then he says, become humble, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 10. Humble, allow yourself to be taught. That's what humility is about. Now, there are two negative ways we fight. And I, I want to show you these in verse 11 of James chapter 4. And I, I think this kind of ties a lot of it together. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. That's the first way we fight, with slander. We spend our lives talking about people, mocking people. Then he goes on and says this, anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister and, and or judges them speaks against the law. So there's two things he's going to say here. Basically, we fight with slander and we fight by unfairly judging people. I want to clarify something. A lot of folks think it's wrong to judge people. Wrong is wrong to unfairly judge people. He said, verse, there's something about knowing that there is a, a balanced way you look at issues and a balanced way you look at people. But unfair judgment is wrong. So I want you to think about that and read the whole thing for you. Brothers and sisters, verse 11, do not slander on one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, uh, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And, and again, the context here is not talking about saying, you, you know, if I look at you and you can't sing, that's not a judgment. That's the truth. It's unfair judgment. It's taking the place of God in someone's life and drawing judgments that are unfair and untrue. But if something is considered wrong in Scripture, it's wrong. I mean, I'm not judging you. I'm saying that's wrong. I don't have to, I don't have to take that and use it as a whipping, whipping stick for you. But there, there is a, there's a constant tendency to slander. There's a constant tendency to unfairly judge. And that is dangerous. And that's unhealthy. Sometimes we fight because people keep doing that, slander. We keep, we keep finding need the need. I, I had to tell myself, when you deal with people, don't always have to have some correction, observation, negative thing. Just don't make that a priority. Sometimes you bring the fight to yourself. You cause the fight because of slander, because of unfair judgment. And maybe, maybe you can adjust that on your side and that would help bring down the fight tendency in your marriage or your family. You don't have to say everything you know, everything you see. You don't have to always comment. Uh, one of my favorite verses is in the Bible in John where he said, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. That is not my job. I am not in, I am not in the business. I'm not responsible to somehow make everybody's sin clear to them and that I need to somehow always say it. I see a lot of times in sermons, guys get too happy throwing off and making comments about people's weaknesses and failures and flaws. 
I'm not to slander you from the pulpit. I'm not to just take pot shots at you because I'm up here. Because that, that, that's a negative way we fight that doesn't help. There are four, and, and let me stop again and hear somebody saying, well, pastor, shouldn't you just preach the truth? Yeah, but in love. Ephesians says there's something about telling people the truth. And I don't know that mocking people who are struggling with areas of their life that you that you see that are obviously struggles are making making fun of a person's journey through sin as they get to 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 a place of healing. I don't know that that's healthy either. It's like a doctor laughing at a sick patient. I think we need to be careful how we approach people who are struggling. I want to close with this. There are four personal closing thoughts that I, about fighting that I want to make that I think that are personal that I've learned uh, in my journey with this. And I want you to, I want to say I, I have had to fight and will always have to fight. That's part of my life. I will, I will prayerfully not have to physically fight anybody. <laughs> but I, I, I do understand that, that, that part of the journey of life is fighting. There are times when you know, Ecclesiastes 3 talks about this, and I'll, I'll deal with this in a series this upcoming. There is a tendency for us to ignore that there is a time for war, a time of peace. There's a time when you have to stand up for what's right and say, no, you can't do that. You can't go and just conquer a country and take over people. You can't just, we, there are times, there's a time to stand up. We saw it in World War I, World War II. We've seen it in various seasons in history, the Revolutionary, uh, not the Revolutionary War, the, uh, the Civil War. There are moments when, you know, the South wanted one thing and the North, and it was, there were things that were just not right, slavery included. And there, so there's a moment when you fight. I understand that. But there are some fights we create that are totally unnecessary. And we create them, and that's not, that's not God's will. And James says that. So we want to check our motives. We want to check our hearts. But I close with these four thoughts, four personal closing thoughts about, about fighting. Number one, fighting reveals where we really are. If you want to know where a family is, look at the fights. It tells you how petty they are. It tells you how immature they are many times. Number two, fighting reveals what we really value. Sometimes what we value is not really seen until at the end of a person's life, the biggest thing you want is the couch and you're willing to fight your sisters and brothers over a couch. Your values come out sometimes and fights reveal that. Number three, fights reveal what you really want. What you really want. I covet what you have and I'm willing to fight you to get it, even if I have to take it from you. You, you want to be the preeminent one. That's why in the conversation, you got to win. You got to have the last word even if you have to lie and distort the truth because you want preeminence, you want to be dominant. And then lastly, fighting reveals the truth about our relationship with God. Now, a lot of times you can sell it, tell it, people just aren't right with God. They, you know, they, they want to pretend they are, but the real, the real truth is in the middle of the fight, you learn they, they'll fight dirty, they'll lie. They'll, it's like, oh, well, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought, you were, I thought you loved the Lord. I thought you were committed to God. I thought you loved me. And you find, no, I love, I love me more than I love you. That's what you learn. They don't love God. They don't love you. They love themselves. Fighting reveals a lot. It's when a person can, in the middle of a disagreement, stop and say, you know, you're right. When a person can acknowledge and see. I have a lot I want to talk about. And I want to turn the tide here a little bit. There is a series that I want to start on next time we gather. And I want you to really tap into because it takes you down this incredible path of, and it focuses on one word and this is really important 
sustainable. You know, fighting is not sustainable. You can't fight for so long. You run out of breath. You run out of strength. You run out of bullets. You run out of everything eventually. And so I want to take you down a path and talk about your life and ask you a question. Are you truly living a sustainable life? That's the word I want you to think about. Sustainability is really important. And next week, there's some stuff I'm going to share, especially since we're coming up on a special holiday that I don't want you to miss. I'm going to show you some things that my mama taught me about being sustainable and how sustainability really is at the core of your survival. You know, some of you are living a life and you are in the constant states of fighting and arguing and that's not sustainable. At some point that all crashes and burns. And so I want you to join me next week. I've got a lot I want to talk about. It's going to be a great series and I want you to think about this. Am I living a life right now that's sustainable? How much longer can I do these things this way? How much longer can we fight? How much longer can we argue? How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? What I've learned is that sometimes you need to pull off the road and stop and start with a new new map and a new direction for your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message today. May it help them to think about the fights they're in. They fought on every job. They fought every man or woman they've been in a relationship with. They're fighting their children. They're fighting their pastor. They're fighting every, every church they go to. They fight the preacher. They fight the deacons. They fight somebody. Father, help us to acknowledge that some of the fighting is because our motives are wrong. All the fighting cannot be somebody else's fault. All the issues cannot be about other people not coming up to our, our standard. I pray you'd help us to learn to live at peace, to pursue, the Bible says, peace with all men. That is the dream of God for us, that we would pursue peace and let it go. Now, I want to say this as I close this prayer out. Let it go. I don't know what it is, but it's not worth you fighting this much for it. At some point, you need to stop. Now, I agree. Some things you fight for because they're right. There are things I stand up for because it's right. But I, I, I try to find a way to not allow my life to be one big war zone. In our country, in our world, we're seeing it. We're seeing unwise wars, unfair wars, foolish decisions made for self-covetous reasons. I want your oil. I want your land. I want you, you guys to serve me. I want you guys to do what I say because I feel this way. That's wrong. You got to stand up against that. But, but sometimes in life, the, the turning point can happen when you realize this is not sustainable. What we're doing right now as a family is not sustainable. As a nation, it's not sustainable. And what changes do we need to make to make sure we can last a long time? I pray you, you've been blessed by today's message. And I want to ask you one last question as I close. For some of you, the, the issue of the sustainability is about your walk with God. You've been away from God too long. I want to pray for you today that this can be the beginning of a new life for you, the chance for your life to turn in a better direction. Jesus came and died for you to give you an opportunity to have a life that was, the Bible says, fulfilling and wonderful and blessed. And that's not just about stuff. That's about a sense of personal relationship with God, having a personal sense of wholeness and happiness. That's God's goal for you so that you can press through the difficult time. It's not a guarantee that you won't have challenges, but it gives you a perspective and a way to manage those challenges. He came to give you life, he said, and give you life more abundantly. So let's pray. Father, I pray for those who've been thinking about their walk with God and realizing that 
the path they're on is not sustainable. But they need to, they need to stop fighting God, stop fighting other people, and start submitting to you and, and humbling themselves under your guidance. And may this be that moment for them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message that we talked about why people fight. Sometimes it's their desires. It's the wrong motive. It's greed, selfishness. There's a lot of reasons people fight. But I want you to learn how to live in peace. Learn how to get along with others. In our world, we can't control all of the nations around us. We have to sometimes stand up for what's right. You have to learn how to fight for what should be right. And there are times like that. But I want you to seek peace. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for peace in our world. I pray for you to let there be the hand of God that would move throughout our world and bring peace in the land where there's trouble and war and fighting. In our families where there's fighting, where there's strife, let this sermon bring light and help to those families. And may they learn to fight together, not fight each other. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Pastor Rick. I've enjoyed with, being with you. I'll see you with more stuff to talk about. I got a lot of things. The Word of God is packed full of it, friend. See you next time right here as we study the Word of God together. Bye-bye.